0: Titans defenders already and the Titans offensive capability just as a team it looks kind of revolutionized with him out there like Welcome into the Hot Read Podcast. I'm your host, Easton Freeze, director of published content here at Broadwaysportsmedia.com We're also brought to you by the 440 Podcast Network, and you can join uh, you can join me by following me on social media at Easton Freeze. I am joined, as always, by producer JT, who you can follow on Twitter at JT underscore Runky. JT, how are you? Happy Tuesday, my friend.
1: Happy Tuesday. Um, mixed Mixed bag of feelings for me today. Oh, um. On one hand,
0: is this Mets related? The,
1: the, maybe it, it might be. I'm getting there. On <laughs> okay, one, okay. On, on one hand, the the content train chugs along with another day of training camp.
0: Chugging right along. And, and
1: on the, in the opposite. The Mets are just the
0: they are sticking in fact, sticking
1: a sticking a stick in New York through my heart
0: Mets they are and it's just it's
1: just another classic New York Mets day. It's fandom. time to sell
0: sell sell up in uh, Mets land. It and is they unfortunately are, they are sell sell selling and uh yeah not not going to not going to beat you down any further on that. Then I'm sure you're already beating yourself down on that. Just want to point out uh how bullish you were on your Mets nine months ago and then here we are like I said we would be so tick one in the east and wind column all right let's uh let's talk football today we've got a number of things to talk about from today's training camp practice this is the episode for Wednesday August 2nd but if you're with us live it is Tuesday and uh, we had Tuesday's camp this morning at which uh, we had a number of things that we saw and heard it was the first unscripted training camp practice of the season and so that presented some interesting opportunities some interesting circumstances real quick before we dive into the warm up i want to make sure everybody knows that is with us live if you could do me one big massive personal favor by retweeting or liking or sharing um or sending this link to a friend <laughs> ted Tennyson, uh, saying go angels baby already given jt a hard time for his baseball uh loyalties but uh if you would do whatever you can to share this episode live right now. That would be super, super helpful to me. Just take one second, click out of the video, hit repost re, uh, or like or uh, copy the link and send it to a buddy and say, hey, check this out. We would love to get as many eyeballs on today's show as humanly possible so that we can get as many questions as humanly possible. And the best way to submit your questions or queries or uh, comments or observations of your own from training camp some some hot takes that you might have you need to get off your chest you can do all of that over on Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page go to Broadway Sports Media on YouTube and you will find this hot read live um and you'll be able to in the comment section leave those comments and thoughts and suggestions there and we'll be able to see them all on our end like Ted Tennyson and our buddy Logan Grady already have all right JT in the warm up today this was something that was on my mind all day at camp. And we got, you know, like, like I mentioned a very different camp in the sense that there was a lot of 11 on 11 for the majority of the time, because they were running a, a call. They were referring to it as a call it day at camp where the the coaches are calling in plays live. Unlike previous days at practice things were unscripted so they were not going off of a script that was predetermined the players did not know what plays were coming when where and why and they had to like in a real game adjust on the fly recall the play that they studied in a a mini notebook a a mini game plan install that they were given last night to study on and then uh, make that play in that moment which is you know accurate to real football and it allowed for a lot of 11 on 11. And so we got to see a lot of Ryan Tannehill and a lot of Will Levis and a lot of Malik Willis. But we saw so much Malik Willis and we saw so much Will Levis that it got me thinking, I'm concerned that the Titans won't or aren't allocating their practice time in the most beneficial way possible for them to succeed this season. Now, this is, I'm going to at the top here, kind of, claim a little bit of ignorance because again, I am not an NFL coach. I have not, this is my, you know, I've not been to a ton of training camps. I've not, I'm not a 15 year vested veteran covering the NFL, but I do know how to look at how you're allocating your time between, you know, your resources that you need to work now versus your resources that you may need to work more in the future. And while Ryan Tannehill and the first team players are certainly getting the lion's share of the snaps, the lion's share of the reps. They are splitting it three ways between three quarterbacks and three different teams, and that's not unique to the Titans. Regardless of your quarterback situation in training camp at the top of the month of August, that's how you're doing it across the NFL. But this is a team that's kind of in a unique position in two senses. One on on the now side of the coin, this is a team that has a brand new offense with a brand new offensive coordinator and pretty much a brand new offensive line and a number of brand new offensive weapons in DeAndre Hopkins and in uh, in Josh Wiley and in in um, uh, Chris Moore, Chris Moore. Thank you, Chris Moore and Ty Spears. These are all guys that are new to this system that they're looking to you know, envelop into their existing scheme that they are installing for the first time this season. And that's something that needs time to gel regardless of whether or not they, they repped it for two full months every single day as just a first team unit um, before the season, or if they, you know, split time three ways for one month, and then rolled into the season. Either way, it's going to take some time. Anyone, I think, that is a reasonable human being understands that and accepts that, and so it's very likely to look a little bit bumpy out of the gate. Now, maybe things just work. I mean, this new system is so dramatically better than what our buddy Todd Downing was running last year with the weapons at his disposal that it truly is a jump out of the gate, and people are surprised by how well it's working. But I think it's probably more likely that they have some growing pains. There's a learning curve. And so for the first you know, three or four weeks of the season, the first month or so, they're ironing out those creases. That is only made easier by hammering those things home now. And again, I'm not trying to like say that Mike Vrabel and his coaching staff are going about this the wrong way. I'm really more asking a question than I am criticizing. I'm not saying that they are doing this wrong. I am wondering aloud is this the best allocation of time? Because on the other side of that coin, I was referring to earlier that the way that this team is unique in the sense um, that their are practice schedule this time of year needs to be very intentional is that they do have two young and promising quarterbacks on this roster that need as much time as you can afford to them in order to not just develop and get better, but for the coaching staff and for the team to see what they have in them to, to be as well-informed as they possibly can as to what would be the best the, the best route for them to take as a front office and as a coaching staff for the future. And this is a question that I have a clip of. It's a question that I tried to ask Mike Vrabel. And this is kind of a, it's not that complicated of, of a topic, I suppose, but it's one that's kind of hard to, to really convey in a concise question. So I sat there basically the entire press conference in my brain trying to figure out the most concise way to, because the, wor- the the last thing you want to do when you're talking to Mike Vrabel is just ramble, ramble. like, And he, you can tell he's like, shut up and let me answer your question. So I'm trying my best to get this into a concise package. And so I basically ask him, tell me about how you and your coaching staff go about trying to balance getting as much of the brand new offense with a lot of the brand new first team players on the field and practicing as much as possible so they can rep and rep and rep and get that in their bodies and be as well prepared for week one as possibly as they possibly can. But at the same time, balancing the future and Malik Willis and or Will Levis and a number of your young players that are on the second and the third team, like how do you balance those two things and try to develop for the future while also trying to compete this year as this team has, Very clearly, in our opinion, at least, JT, dictated through their actions they are trying to do. And here's what Mike Vrabel had to say.
2: We're focused on the future outside of today and what we're going to do. So we've tried to just balance the reps out. And and, the guys right now that are working with the ones probably have more reps. Uh, And then I would say that the the next two groups are probably somewhat balanced. Tried to do that today. Tried to plan out what I thought the reps were going to be Kayla and they maybe were a little more or less, you know, you have to have, a, have to have a plan. And then if it doesn't work, be willing to adjust it. So we tried to, when we say develop them, I mean we're talking about developing for this year and how they can help us this year, not, not the future.
0: And I was kind of afraid that was the answer I was going to get, not to say it's a bad answer. Like it's the answer that Mike Vrabel kind of has to give. But that's really not the heart of my question, right? JT, is is that, am I I coming across clearly in the sense that, like, I, I know they're not trying to, they're not, you know, they're not looking towards the future and past this season. They're not trying to develop players for beyond this season or take, like, the long path intentionally. They're trying to get their players as good as possible as soon as possible. Duh. Obviously. But the question is, how do you balance figuring out what you have for the future, because you, you cannot be singularly focused on one or the other, right? You cannot be so all in on one season that you just you throw the future beyond this one year to the wind. I guess you cannot do that unless you want to be like the Rams and you're in, you know, it's desolation. And with them, it worked out because they got a ring. But in most cases, it doesn't. And then you really screwed yourself over. But you also can't just focus on the future. If you are trying to compete this year, which the Titans clearly are, I don't know. D- does this make sense to you? And do you think it's a fair question to ask whether or not there needs to be more time given to the ones so that they can be as well prepared for week one as possible?
1: I think it's a fair question in, in the, in the terms of with, I think, I think the first team reps are always going to get more. And I think that, and they the- are I'm
0: super clear about that. They are, and- but it's like, You know, probably forty percent Ryan Tannehill guys, first team guys, and then thirty percent split between the other two teams. So it's not half. And and with with
1: kind of them getting maybe a little bit more than half collectively, Malik and Will over Ryan Tannehill. It's it's kind of you kind of have to do that out of necessity because of how different the two quarterbacks are. I think that plays a huge. Kind of, kind of thing in, in training camp because you have Malik Willis, who is just a absolutely different player than Will Levis. And to, to Mike Vrabel's point of preparing them for this year, we've seen last year that it, it is a very real possibility that Ryan Tannehill goes down and one of these two has to come in. So giving them a little bit more and kind of seeing this team two and team three, how just kind of wa- having everybody watch how these two different styles play kind of, I think helps everybody in the long
0: term. That is true and fair. Although I I personally, I would argue if Ryan Tannehill goes down, they, they are screwed. I don't, I forget who exactly it was that there's a very famous quote from back in the, the heyday of Peyton Manning in Indianapolis. It maybe was his quarterback coach. It was one of the the lower coaches on that team, but they gave a very phenomenal quote that is still thrown around to, 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 uh, today. In that somebody asked, you know, what like, why in practice do you not, during the season, why do you not practice with the backup quarterback or with the second team guys? And the coach, and I'm paraphrasing here, he said, that's a situation we like to call eft, and we don't practice eft." and he didn't say eft, but like, that's a fair sentiment. And, and certainly Ryan Tannehill is not on the level of Peyton Manning where they're trying to win Super Bowls every year. And if Peyton Manning goes down, shucks, like you're, you're done. With Ryan Tannehill, we saw last year, like like the juxtaposition of two years ago missing Derrick Henry for half the season and still being the number one seed in the AFC and going twelve and five, versus last year, certainly a different team, but you have a healthy Derrick Henry for the majority of the season. Ryan Tannehill goes down for three, four, five games, and they go on a seven game losing skid to end the season and throw away a division to the Jacksonville Jaguars, like clearly the division of labor there is significant that not just a division of labor, but division of importance of labor. And so I just, I think that's something really what I, what I'm thinking the the solution for today is on, on this question is just keep an eye on this. As we go, I'll continue to kind of report if, if that's changing. I'm wondering if maybe this early on, they're trying to get the, let's figure out what we have in the young guys out of the way. So that as they get near the season and into the preseason and, you know, these ones get a series or two and some of them more in the preseason games and you get joint practices where the ones will be primarily featured and all of these things. Maybe as we go and we get deeper into August and then the beginning of September, you get more of that division of labor leaning towards the here and now. So I think that that is something to keep an eye on. Let's move on to sights and sounds from training camp today. A couple of notes. So actually not a couple, a, a, a large handful of notes that I have to share with you guys, but I think you'll find all of this interesting before we dive in just a heads up. If you are with us live and I see that a number of you are, thank you so much. This is the episode for Wednesday, but if you're t- tuning in with us live on Tuesday, do me a huge favor, like retweet, repost, share this live stream as best you can. Just take two seconds to do that. It'd be a huge personal favor to me. We want to get as many eyeballs in here as possible and go on over to Broadway Sports Media's YouTube page. If you'd like to leave any comments, to be a part of the conversation today. You'll find this live stream over there and you can comment there and we can see your comments on our end. All right, JT, uh, let's go through this. And if you would be so kind as to talk us through, I will give you the notes that I have from today.
1: Yeah, and today was a little bit of a different kind of training camp practice than the ones we've already seen as it is officially scrimmage season as you kind of said yesterday the the offense and defense were given kind of mini playbooks last night mini installs to kind of go over and and it was going to be a day that was a lot of audibles was a lot of thinking on the fly and that's Mm -hmm. what happened today and with that comes kind of the next level of competition and for two players specifically it, it was it was tensions were high today
0: Yeah, it's scrimmage season. It's also skirmish season, and that's what we got today was our first skirmish of training camp between Jamarco Jones, who was the starter for three plays, I think, before this went down at the beginning of the day at the right tackle position, and Jeffrey Simmons, the star defensive tackle for the Tennessee Titans, uh, about three plays into the 11-on-11 practice. The two of them uh, threw hands. I was joking with some of the media members that, like, that is... That's a win for the offense right there for them both to be tossed out. That is that is a uh, pawn takes night at the very least. And so both of them get kicked out of camp. It was kind of foreboding when we talked to Mike Vrabel about this yesterday at the podium. He was talking about how the new and improved punishment for fighting in camp, which falls under his famous category of dumb shit that hurts the team. He said himself, we used to send players, according to him, just inside. And they're done for the day. But in the hot August sun, that is, brother, that is not a punishment. Like, that's, I mean, you're missing on a rep, so you probably maybe, but like for a guy like Jeffrey Simmons, who's certainly not losing his job, getting thrown out into the air conditioning doesn't sound like the worst thing in the world. So the new punishment is you don't go inside. You are, in fact, done for the day, but you get to go to the sand pits and go work on technique one-on-one with a position coach in the sand, in the sun, and not have any fun with your friends. And that's what happened to Jamarco Jones and Jeffrey Simmons Who got kicked out of camp about three practices in uh, Simmons took the first reps in the sand pit and Jamarco went inside clearly not very happy. He he kicked over a recycling can on the way into uh, the training facility. And then he came back out later and was working in the sand. And the two of them were pretty much done for the day. They let them come back at the very end and be a part of some of it. But they certainly were punished for getting into a fight. And I'm kind of surprised it took this long for us to have any kind of a skirmish, but we are here and I'm sure it will not be the last.
1: Yeah. Moving on now, of course, we're going to talk about the quarterbacks and specifically Will Levis and Malik Willis. Of course, today we kind of were alluded to that we may see some kind of mixing up of the reps today with Malik and Will Levis. What did you see from them and how were both their days?
0: Yeah, they were, they were um, varying levels of good. I thought they both had fine days. Um, anybody that has to work with the the weapons in the in the third team that the threes like it's certainly a dramatic we talked a number of times on this show about how this team is uniquely shallow in their depth right and it's it's one that when you get to that 42nd 43rd 44th 45th player you start to run out of actual nfl not not just quality but just actual nfl players like nfl caliber football players, they don't really have those guys. And so the bottom of the barrel, when you're playing with the threes, there's some real scrubs out there, man. There's some real dandelions, like not to be disrespectful, but it's just the reality. And so um, getting them mixed in with the twos and threes kind of allowed you to see them on a level playing field to an extent. Let's start with Will Levis. And he took the field, just a couple of notes that I have jotted down about uh, some specifics from him today took the field to start the day, still working with the threes. Um, his first pass was intended for Mason Kinsey right across the middle. Hits in between the numbers, certainly a fastball. I mean, he lasered it in there and it was not a, a, a deep route. So it was on Kinsey quickly, but it bounced pretty much between the numbers off his chest and should have been a tip drill interception from the defensive tackle that turned around and it went right through his hands. So kind of a comedy of errors as a play as a whole, um, so, you know, he could have, still to take the velocity down a notch on that pass. But this is the NFL like, sorry, Mason, you got to catch those. It hits you between the numbers. It hits you in the hands. You're catching that ball. Uh, And then he Kinsey had another drop on the very next play. Another catchable ball that Levis puts on him that Kinsey drops. Both passes went in and out of his hands. And then the third pass on that series was a deep shot to Chris Moore that was overthrown a tad and out of bounds. So that ended the series. So certainly a lackluster start to the day for Will Levis after a explosive performance yesterday, he then came back out with the twos and it was kind of a stark difference. I was standing next to Terry McCormick talking, um, about practice. And when he comes running on, I'm like, Oh, Terry, here we go. Here comes Will Levis with the twos. And he goes, all right, let's, you know, let's see if it was the supporting cast or will Levis to blame for that really lackluster first series. And then on the first play during the call at practice, offensive coordinator, Tim Kelly calls, the exact same first play that Will Levis had previously, but the threes, this time intended for, um, uh, uh, uh intended for, um, uh, shoot, sorry, I lost my notes here. Oh, intended for Reggie. Was it for Reggie? I am totally. I believe so.
1: Yes. Roberson.
0: Yes. Okay. Um, yeah. 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 I think it was Reggie Roberson, but regardless, it was intended for a, a higher caliber receiver and, hits him on the numbers same exact pass same exact velocity and he, he catches it and it's a sizable gain so it, 10 seconds pass before we're like let's see what and then we're just we look at each other in unison okay yeah it was the supporting cast like yes it, clearly this is a different situation uh speaking of roberson had a very big day today um he was somebody it was, no okay sorry i got my actual notes here. It was racing McMath that he hit on that pass, but I'm glad we talked about Rogerson because uh, he had a massive day today. And we'll talk a little bit more about him later. Um, I'm not saying he's going to make the wide receiver situation for this team. Interesting. But he is one of a couple of names that while we have kind of talked about this wide receiver group being mostly predetermined and really not up for debate, like nobody can like, there's not really, there's no room in the end for some of these bottom of the roster guys to slip in there. Some of them are making a, decent case like it's going to be an interesting situation if they do decide to add a sixth or seventh receiver and keep one of those guys and while we talked about Colton Dowell previously as somebody that may be more of a lock I'm not so sure that's the case anymore I still think that he's the leader in the clubhouse but we'll talk about that in a minute um Levis found Roberson down the uh, sideline for a massive gain with his uh, twos series right after that completion to raising math. And then on the very next play, after Roberson got them into red into the red zone, Roberson is found again in the corner of the end zone for a big seven point touchdown, Uh, a massive series for both Levis and Roberson. And uh, then they took another rep in the red zone right after that. And Kinsey redeems himself with a pretty impressive contested catch in the corner of the end zone. And so Levis looked much more like himself yesterday today when he played with the twos than when he had to play with the threes. Let's move to Malik Willis now who split time and the overarching idea that like he, I, I'm not going to go into the minutia of what he did today. I didn't quite take notes on all of that, but he stepped up in on one play in particular that that kind of encapsulated this thought for me in the pocket. He steps up manages the pocket very well, like demonstrates really, really impressive pocket management and awareness skills, buys time, makes the correct read, finds running back Jonathan Ward for a sizable gain up the sideline. And that play, while it was a good one, it just, it left me thinking Malik is so frustrating to watch at times because his pocket management this season has clearly improved and he does not panic, you know, pat, pat, pat the ball. Like we saw him do a lot last year, where you're like, throw it Malik. Throw, throw the uncork, please throw, throw the ball. It was a lot of that last year in the preseason. And that's a big part of the reason why he didn't get a whole lot of play and got benched at the end of the year, as well as if people remember in preseason. But while those things have improved and he doesn't do all, all those panicky, um, poor tendencies nearly as much, he still is taking an unrealistic amount of time in practice to pull the trigger on many of these throws. And, and he's got to know his like, know the room, right? If he was playing for the Eagles offensive line, he could probably get away with these three-second step back drop, read, 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 find the right, you know. Okay, step up. Yeah, okay, now pull the trigger. You could probably get away with that. The Titans offensive line is not that, my friend. If you if you think that's gonna fly, because again, they are in pads, these are live reps, but you're not I mean, the jerseys on the quarterback's back, is still it's still a red jersey, like you're not taking him down, you're not you're getting sacks, you're not getting sacks, right? And so they are able to maneuver the pocket and not get touched because they are wearing a Jersey that says you can't touch me. And so there's a number of plays where it's like, Ooh, Malik made a good play. When you think back and you're like, Oh, but it took three and a half seconds for him to pull the trigger. And there were defenders all around him that just kind of ran by and, you know, marked their rep with a sack. Like that's not going to fly in a real game. It's not going to fly in a preseason. And so that is what is still so frustrating. He's still a work in progress. And I don't want, I don't want to demean him. too, too far. Like he certainly has made a lot of progress. A lot of these things that we took issue with him from last year, he has worked to correct, but there are still a number of things he's got to do and polish and correct and and get rid of out of his game or add to his game that he, that he's not found yet. And it's, it's prohibiting him from really taking that next NFL quarterback leap. If that makes sense.
1: Yeah. Let's move on here to a couple of the wide receivers today. Uh, a couple of them had a, had a big day and then especially on the, on the first team wide receivers. But then uh, as we alluded to kind of there, there was a wide receiver with the twos that kind of shine today.
0: Yeah, no, it's Reggie Roberson and, and let's go ahead and talk about him. Um, he ended up just, just a kind of encapsulation of his day. I mentioned the, the big series he had with Levis. He, he, he tallied three or four big time catches on the day. Vrabel mentioned in his press conference that he was watching some of the tape before he came out and spoke to us. And it's like, I think that Roberson was just kind of disappearing on the defense today because not only was he making great plays, man, he, he was making easy, great plays. Cause he was wide open. Nobody in the area code, like not, not even close. All you gotta, you gotta throw it within 10 feet of this guy. And he's gonna be able to adjust jackpot style to catch this ball. Um, I'm not sure what the deal was, but it was one of those days where nobody could find Reggie Robertson and to his benefit, whether he was shaking guys or like, I'd, I'd love to go back and watch the film myself. Cause I'm like, how is, what is this blown coverage? Did he shake a guy out of his boots? What happened? And so a big day for him with a touchdown to boot. I think he had a touchdown yesterday with Will Levis as well. So he's one of those guys again, who's making things pretty interesting.
1: Yeah, and then, of course, we got to talk about the two big guys on this team, specifically DeAndre Hopkins and Traylon Burks. What what did they do do today? What did you see from them?
0: Yeah, with Hopkins, that Tannehill to Hopkins connection is certainly heating up. There's no question about it. Two consecutive completions to start the 11-on-11 series and the second half of practice between those two. Tannehill is looking his way early and often. I believe later on that series, he tries a deep shot up the left-hand sideline to Hopkins, and it's just overthrown Hopkins in an embattled route with Christian Fulton, who is playing still with his hair on fire. But, you know, contested catches at the boundary, wide open crossing routes for big gains. Like you're seeing a little bit of it all with Hopkins, and that's not all that shocking considering, his MO like the way that he for a decade now has done this terrorized the league with this his versatility his ability to slice you up in about a dozen different ways and that's what he's doing to these Titans defenders already and the Titans offensive capability just as a team it looks kind of revolutionized with him out there like I was Watching at the very beginning of practice and his first completion was um, just like a, a simple, a simple dig route that um, was kind of sawed off. And you know it was maybe five, seven yard completion. It, it was going to be a, like a tackle on site. Not really like a, a nice completion, but a pretty mundane play. And all the fans in attendance lose their minds. I mean, just go bonkers. And rightfully so. They're excited. DeAndre Hopkins is in town. He's wearing two tone blue. But I I turned to I think our buddy Sam Phelan was like, dude, that first, you know, DeAndre Hopkins can be a a screen completion for a loss of two yards. And people in Nissan Stadium against the Chargers in week two are going to just they're going to go bonkers. They're going to lose their minds. And that's the that's the level of excitement for DeAndre Hopkins in Nashville right now. And there there is certainly some validity to the idea that he changes a lot of things for this team offensively.
1: Yeah, and that's uh, Trelon Burks also today. So we kind of been talking about how with DeAndre Hopkins, certainly here and revolutionizing the uh, wide receiver position, what's Traylon Burks' role in all of this? And what did you see from him today, and what did you hear from him?
0: Yeah, I want to talk about him primarily because we got to speak with him at the podium, and I have a, a pair of clips that I wanted to share. But in terms of the impact DeAndre Hopkins has had on him, we talked about it a bit yesterday. It's a force multiplier. Like, I kind of expect DeAndre Hopkins to be the Corey Davis to Traylon Burks' AJ Brown, not in the sense that, not, not to compare skill sets, but to, to compare the way that Corey Davis's breakout or presence, veteran presence, allowed for AJ Brown to break out. And it takes that, you know, takes a lot of that pressure off of him, takes that attention off of him, forces the defense to pick their poison. And you saw a pair of thousand yard re- receiving seasons from Brown and and uh, and Corey Davis that season. And, and so that's something that I think is certainly all in the cards and very much a possibility, very much the hope of the Titans with these two players. I want to talk about this first clip from Burks and and we asked him about, you know, he seems to be gaining every day more and more of Ryan Tannehill's trust. There's that element of um, I forget who it was. it was coming out of Washington camp today that um, Sam, Sam, Howell was the topic of discussion with Terry McLaurin and McLaurin gave us a new training camp jargon. He said that his connection with, um, with new second year quarterback, Sam Howell is, uh, he says, I, I feel a, a nuanced connection with him. Good usage, good vocabulary. Um, but I think that he kind of meant by that, like, you know, we're on the same page verbally or non-verbally. And so we were asking trail and Brooks about that. And here in clip five, he spoke to us about, what his really biggest key was to gaining that trust?
2: Um, It just goes back to being here in the offseason. Being with Ryan, throwing with him every day, and it just makes him, you know, trust me more and more when he knows that he can throw the ball anywhere uh, around me and I'll uh, go up and make the catch.
0: The second clip that I want to play from Traylon Burks is one where I asked him, and this is another kind of uh, a deeper thought of mine today from camp. You know, JT, we have talked about and heard from a number of Titans receivers in the past couple of days since DeAndre Hopkins has joined the fold about how, oh man, DeAndre Hopkins being here, you know, adding him really has changed the game for us as a, as a wide receiver group. It's made us all better. It's brought the best out of all of us. It's added the gear for us. And so I asked him, you know, we're hearing that from your fellow receivers. But it's reasonable to assume they weren't not giving their best before DeAndre Hopkins came. It's not that they were lollygagging around, laxadaisically going through practice, and suddenly DeAndre Hopkins' presence woke them up. So what is it exactly that makes everybody agree that this guy is bringing – not just the best, but somehow better than the best out of all of us. He, is it that he has unlocked a new gear for everybody? And, and if so, why is, is the best that he's bringing out of you all coming in the form of his veteran presence and his leadership ability and his know-how behind the scenes in the, in the wide receiver room, in the locker room. I, I asked him this question and here was what Traylon Burks had to say. He
2: I mean, just is a man, I mean, I wouldn't want nobody doing better than me, uh, So, I mean, him being, you know, the type of receiver that he is and um, just being behind him just makes you want to work more, um, being able to achieve the things he's achieved. And um, it just makes you go out and grind.
0: And and so it sounds like that there's just kind of an element of, you know, him him being – we talked about this the first day he came out at at camp, right, JT? It's kind of hard to – verbalize but he just he has that elite NFL player aura that you know it's the thing you you get the presence that Derrick Henry brings being in in the same room with him or being around him it's the same deal with DeAndre Hopkins and I think that that's being felt by the wide receiver core
1: yeah and let's move on to another interesting topic that was kind of brought up heavily today um, at, at camp and that's the offensive line versus the defensive line. Hmm. Um, c- certainly some, some quotes coming out today from both Mike variable and some other uh, guys, both on the defensive line and the offensive line. Um, tell us what you saw today and uh, kind of some thoughts you have on, on the Titans offensive line as a whole.
0: Yeah. So the, the first note that I took today, when, well, not the first, but I think one of the first notes that I took today at camp was, hey, you know, blocking specialist tight end Trayvon Wesco that the Titans brought in to be that glorified lineman, essentially, as a tight end, to be that extra blocker in on the jumbo packages. You know, he, he got backed up pretty much immediately by Danico Autry, tripped up Ryan Tannehill and got a, an actual one of the only actual sacks of the day. Tannehill goes down and the whistle is blown his knee has touched the ground with the ball in his hands. And so that's a proper sack during training camp. That's the closest you're getting to a sack in training camp without there being an all out fight. But, um, you know, today and, and, and head coach, Mike Rabel is going to disagree with that a little bit in a minute. And I, I'm going to talk through what I think he means by this comment, but today again, and this is not unique to today, but it, it, it was apparent today The Titans defensive line just slicing and dicing the offensive line thoroughly. I don't know if that's inherently a bad thing. You know, it's a a glass half full, glass half empty situation. And I was talking with Terry McCormick about this. Talked a lot with Terry today. And he was talking about, I think he was talking like circa 2006, 2007 Titans, back when he was on the beat. Um, And uh, he was saying that that year in training camp, you know, the entire talk for the first two or three weeks of camp when it was just inter-team scrimmaging was, you know, wow, this Titans wide receiver core, like people nationally were not talking about this team's receiving core like they should because these guys are ballers. These guys are studs. They have scored 10 bajillion touchdowns in seven practices. They cannot miss. They get open so easily. And then they get into joint practices and they get into the preseason and eventually the regular season. It becomes very apparent very quickly. Oh, this wide receiver court is actually as average as people thought it would be. Like they are just fine. Turns out this secondary absolutely blows and it makes the wide receivers look way better than they are when it's inter-team scrimmage. And so, you know, Brandon Thorne, who is, if not the authority, one of the authorities on the. Offensive line, defensive line, trench warfare. He, he, he runs the trench warfare substack, which is a fantastic read. Um, but Brandon Thorne tweeted today, and I don't know if it has anything to do with what he heard or saw from camp today, but he is working on things, all, all things offensive and defensive line. And so he tweeted out, the Titans will be ranked inside my top seven pass, pass rush units for this season with as unique of a front four as I can remember led by Jeffrey Simmons and Danico Autry. They added Arden Key and have Harold Landry returning to round out the front with Rashad Weaver as a quality piece in the rotation. They're not quite as deep as the elite units, which we've talked about, but their starters, their top-end talent, will be a nightmare to deal with. And that's pretty much the, the situation that we have thought this team is in. And so it begs the question, yeah, this offensive line getting sliced and diced and it's not really all that close, but is that because they're really, really, really bad? Or is that because the defensive line is truly one of the very best in the league? Top seven, top five, top three, maybe the best by the end of the year. Like they have that capability if their starters manage to all stay healthy and play the full season. I don't know. What, what say you, JT? Do you think it's really fair entirely for us to. I don't know. Every time I have a buddy send me something for like our buddy, Sean, big bills fan, right? He tweet, he texts me today and he likes to keep me updated on the bills. Cause you know, he knows I'm a football junkie. He's like, Oh man, you know, look at this clip. Look at this clip. Tough day for the offense. And I go, no, no, my friend, great day for the defense. It's spin zone season. Like that's half a joke, but half, you know, you can't, it's hard to tell whether the gla- glass is half full or half empty.
1: Yes. Because I think to your point, this is going to be an insane front seven the Titans defense this season, but also, I mean, specifically against this, this first team offensive line, there is some concern
0: I feel like because, and maybe both um, things are true. Maybe the defensive line is awesome. And maybe the offensive line sucks. Like maybe it's both.
1: And and, and I think it's, it's a little bit more blown up because of the amount of questions and concern about this offensive line. Mm. Um, And I think that's why, There are a lot of people worrying about the the impact that the defensive line is making on this offensive line because the expectations are already like very low for for this team. So (laughs) the bar is low. The bar is low in getting proven that the bar could be lower currently is is not a is not a great sign.
0: No, and I I think that the thing fans like the message I want to leave with you on this topic is withhold judgment until we get to joint practices. We've got joint practice. The Titans will be going up to Minnesota and uh, I won't be there, but obviously we'll get a lot of coverage and clips and film and, and reports from that. And so that joint practice in a, in a, I I think not next week, but the following week, and then the Patriots come to town the following week. And I will be there for those joint practices here in town. Those along with the actual, you know, preseason games, That's when we're really going to find out, you know, against non inter inter squad scrimmaging circumstances. What does this offensive line look like? What does this defensive line look like? I think it's also fair to point out our buddy at at Broadway Sports Media, Bill Seagroves, said this to to one of my tweets about this. That, you know, he he, he said, well, if this defensive line with all this promise and all this continuity and all these stars wasn't slicing and dicing the offensive line on. Day two of padded practice, an offensive line that has a ton of question marks, has no continuity, and has had no time to gel with their new offensive line coach, then he would be concerned. And I think that's a fair point. It's certainly a glass half full way of putting it. And I'm not saying that's for sure the case, but it is absolutely reasonable to wonder maybe if you give it a month, this offensive line starts to get their sea legs a little bit, and this competition is a little bit more fair.
1: Yeah, let's move on to another guy who we've talked to a few times already in the first couple days um, at training camp, Arden Key. What did you hear from him? What did he have to say today?
0: Yeah, a, a number of clips from Arden Key today who's always – I mean, Arden's quickly becoming one of my favorite Titans and everyone's favorite Titan because he's a ton of fun to talk to. He brings great energy, and we'll talk about that in a second. I saw our buddy Logan, one of the horsemen of the Hot Read Apocalypse, asking who is right tackle one, two, and three. Um, that's something that I can't really say. I'll tell you this like, we we know, and I'm allowed to say that Jamarco Jones was he started the day at at right tackle today. Whether or not he is the one in the minds of the team, I true, it's not that I can't tell you. I we don't know, you know, they won't tell us if we're like, give us the depth chart. You're that's not it's August 1st, they're not doing that. The guy that came in, I believe, was Chris Hubbard after Jamarco Jones left, although I I did see Andrew Rupchich getting some play there today as well. And uh, so maybe that's one, two, three you figure out the order, but uh, Hubbard certainly was in there. And uh, according to Mike Vrabel played pretty well. Um, so there's your answer. That's the best I can do for you, Logan with Arden key. Um, this first clip, speaking of energy, we asked him like, dude, you bring the juice every day. This guy's all gas. And he said, he, he, sorry, I get distracted by Logan in the comments. Um, we asked him where he gets all this energy from, whether that is just manufactured by him to be better in the locker room, or whether that is just the way that he is built. And he said that's the way that he's built. And here was his response.
3: That that's just me. That's just me. I think I think it's uh an Atlanta thing, Atlanta, Georgia thing, because I don't know any quiet person from Atlanta. I mean <laughs> I don't so I think that's just in our nature, that's what we were born,
0: dude. No quiet people in Atlanta, according to Arden Key, which is pretty funny. We asked him about his increased role with the team. You know, he he's pretty much been a third down pass rusher in his career in San Francisco. And then in Jacksonville, he's set to really be the one a starter for this team this season out of the gate as a pass rusher. And so far in practice, he has lived up to that billing in spades. And so we asked him about what that increased role meant for him and how he's preparing and handling all of that. And if he feels he's prepared for it. And here was his answer.
3: Definitely I feel like I'm taking the most of my opportunity since I've been here. Um just learning the playbook, learning from Jeff, learning from Danico, learning from Harold. I there's a lot of great guys here that you can learn from, even Kevin by from dropping, learning how 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 many yards I need to drop, where to drop, where my where's my leverage and everything. So I feel like I'm taking a huge huge jump and the opportunity will happen.
0: Um the next clip. Uh, excuse me, one more note that I had here written before we move on talking about Harold Landry, by the way, he looks really good out there and we haven't gotten to speak with him yet at the podium. I I think that that will probably be coming soon if I had to guess, but we did hear from Shane Bowen this morning, a defensive coordinator for the Titans. And he said, quote, you wouldn't know that he missed time for an ACL. That is kind of his evaluation of where Harold Landry is. And so that's not all that shocking, I guess, because it is, you know, we're now pretty much one full year, removed from that ACL injury and he's had 12 full months to recover. I do think that that my take from, you know, a month or two ago about how like, let's pump the brakes and not be shocked if he is rusty at the first four, six games of the season, still in the cards, but based on training camp, based on the way his coaches are talking about him and based on the way he looks when I watch him play, looks like Harold Landry to me. So that's certainly a promising thing. Um, speaking of, uh, uh, pass rusher for not former, um, colleagues on the defensive side of the ball. Teammates is the word I was looking for. Um, teammate to Arden Key, Aziz Al shair former teammate in San Francisco. Um, now both the Titans. Aziz joined us as a guest reporter today. He just sat himself down and decided he was going to join the media gaggle during Arden Key's press conference. And I just had to bring up that, um, you know, th- this is a, this is a guy that is pretty funny. Like both of them, I think bring fantastic energy Arden key more so, but Aziz is, is a, is a funny guy. And uh, he, he said, you know, I forget the exact quote, but he's basically like, you know, when I was with you in San Francisco, there were times you'd suit up and your stomach would fall over, you know, your belt buckle. Like is, you were a little bit on the chunky side, like what's your training regimen. And, and uh, he, you know, he came with the hard hitting questions, which I appreciate as a reporter and, and Aziz, asked that question. Arden said, you know, he's doing a lot of training. And, and at the end, Corey Curtis, it was just like, yo, he just called you fat. And Arden's like, well, I was, I was fat. And so, um, you know, good to know Arden key was fat, no longer fat being held accountable by his teammate, Aziz Alshayir. One more clip. And this is Arden key talking about Harold Landry today, who is a player that he's talking with a lot on the sidelines all throughout practice. We asked him, what are you guys talking about most of the time? And here was his response.
3: Just him as a rusher, you know, he's a speed rusher, a dip guy. He 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 dips the corner a lot. So I know we two high edge speed rushers, then nine times out of ten a quarterback will be able to step up. So it's just talking about okay, if he's gonna go high, then maybe I can come low. Just to create almost like a flush almost or something like that. Or depending on the play, whatever play it is, if I have to drop, what kind of what, what drop is this? What's the best way you see me dropping? Cause he's been dropping all his career, so he knows a lot about the drop it and
0: everything like that all right let's move on to uh mike vrabel who we spoke to today at the podium as always
1: yeah so mike vrabel today we already heard from him a little bit uh earlier today just kind of about the the divvying up of reps um however mike vrabel had a lot to say on many different things including some of our favorite titans players today what did you hear as well from him
0: yeah, Vrabel talked about uh, Will Levis today, mentioned how he felt like Levis's demeanor was, he was very complimentary of Levis's demeanor throughout camp so far, said that through the good and the bad, he's liked the way that he's held himself and and carried himself. This uh, this clip that we have from Mike Vrabel is talking about what I, I previewed earlier in the episode. You know, he felt like today the, the pockets provided by the offensive line were actually better Now that they have pads on, which not to pat myself too hard on the back, but I was talking to some folks over the weekend who were freaking out after that eight, seven sack day for the defensive line without pads on. Like, hey, how about we wait until they're in pads and playing offensive line like offensive linemen? And so, yeah, okay, cool. We'll wait for that. Here we are. According to Mike Vrabel, he feels like that has helped the offensive linemen actually being able to do their job at full contact. And here was uh, his response to how the offensive line has held their held their own against the defensive line, despite contrary opinions from the media.
2: That we've had some better pockets with pads on. I thought that it looked like a, you know, shit through a brass horn the first couple days. And I think it's been better uh, with pads on. I think that these guys have been able to try to, again, try to fill build some depth in the middle, the quarterback can step up and try to get some width to the, to the edge rushers. Not that it was perfect but I would say that it's improved from, from my vantage point.
0: And so that's something that I think it involves a lot of nuance, like better pockets, better is a very relative term. So we got to keep in mind that yes, the pockets are better. They have gone from really unacceptably bad to not great, but I do think it's fair to point out by him that this is a situation where you're, you, you, you you've gotten better because you're actually able to do your job. Right. And that's where I think that this team is Um, a couple of other things from Mike Vrabel. He, he said that um, on the topic of Chigakonkwo, one of our favorite players, they're not looking to make Chig any bigger. He's not ever going to be a 260 pound tight end. And so the biggest thing for him as a blocker right now, in particular, to make him that as well-rounded a tight end as possible, we know what he can do in the receiving game, but can he be in there and be a true double threat for him? It's the hand placement, working on getting that leverage in the right way so that he can, Hang with and at least slow down players more powerful or bigger than him, and so that's something they're working hard on him, th- hard on with him. And then again, very complimentary of Chris Hubbard, so that he came in and was practicing after 30 minutes of being in the building. So he appreciates his professionalism and feels like uh, having that gadget uh, veteran offensive lineman, offensive tackle in the room is very valuable. Um, I see one of another one of our hot read pocalypse horsemen, Jacob saying in the comments as a question, how big of a talent gap is between the second and third string defense asking for quarterback competition reasons? Uh, There's, uh, you know, it's a, it's not a deep team on both sides of the ball, Jacob. And so it certainly is the case that the second team defense is fine. And the third team defense is like, woof, like who are these guys? The difference is, you know, the, the competition pretty well matches itself in terms of like third team offense, third team defense, second team offense, second team defense. They, they're well matched for the most part. They uh, think the least well matched is probably the first team defense, first team offense right now, if we're being honest. And so because of that on the lower rungs being so well matched, it, it makes the, the, the impetus on playmaking is on the weapons on the offense. And so those third team offensive players, just, they can't, they can't make plays. They don't have the firepower to make something happen and to move the ball down the field. And so that's kind of why that third team offensive situation in terms of reps is, is hell.
1: Yeah. Let's move on now to uh, some odds and ends the rest of training camp. What else stood out to you today that you thought was pretty interesting?
0: Yeah. Just a couple of odds and ends here. No sign of Corey Levin today or Luke Gifford. Um, we did see tier Tart back after yesterday's absence. In terms of kickoff return duties today during the special teams portion, we saw the following players fielding kickoffs. And so, this is another category of oh, the Titans don't know what they're doing yet at this position. You had Reggie Roberson, uh, Kyrus Jackson, Kyle Phillips, Hassan Haskins, Eric Garor, and Tajay Spears. Uh, Aziz Al got to shout him out as, as a guy that had an, a really good day. Running back Taijay Spears. Um, absolutely plastered behind the line by Aziz Alshair. Uh, he, he was penetrating and got right through the, the offensive line like butter fumbled on the hit, probably the hardest hit of camp so far in terms of um live bullets. And so needless to say, the defense got a tad excited about that. I believe on the very following play, he stops uh, a rusher coming around the end and shows off some of that length that he has that explosiveness acceleration to the boundary. And so, a very big day for him. Um, all right, everybody, if you, if you tune me out, tune back in, because this is an important part of the show right here. We got the field goal battle update for today. Trey Wolf was up today. We had Caleb Shudak all day yesterday, and today we saw Trey Wolf. We are members of the Wolf Pack here on the show. If we're being transparent, we we not because we're rooting for him for per- personal interest. We just kind of think that he's the better option. He was seven for eight today. Almost perfect. No good from 46. Wide right. Not certainly not acceptable, but from, you know, you you had Caleb Shudak miss from 38 yesterday, if I'm not mistaken, certainly would rather your guy miss from the high forties than the high thirties. Trey Wolf was good today from 33, twice, 34, 38, 42, and then a pair of 50 bombs, 52 and 54. He was good and had plenty of leg to boot on those. And so um, that is something that is heating up. Overall, both players, I think, went seven for eight or certainly both only missed one in the past two days. They'll continue to probably alternate back and forth. As for a deadline, a timetable on this kicking battle, Titan special teams coordinator Craig Ackerman did not give any timetable for the Titans kicking battle this morning. He praised the leg strength of Trey Wolf, who has begun kicking straighter, according to Craig Ackerman, straighter balls coming off his foot after altering the hold style, the hold position of Ryan Stonehouse, the punter, who is holding for both of these kickers. And so that's uh, an interesting thing to keep an eye on. Christian Fulton came up limping today. I was afraid that oh, I was after, if anyone listened to yesterday's show when I said something out loud that I won't say again, I'm not going to continue to beat it um, because then I'll eventually be the bearer of bad news. But Christian Fulton came up limping after tracking DeAndre Hopkins on a deep incompletion from Ryan Tannehill. It was unclear if it was a concern at first, but then they had him coming back in on special teams reps, so cer- certainly not a big deal, and he was fine, so I don't think it was actually an issue. You'd probably just kind of tweaked something for a minute and, and was cool after a little bit of tape. Um, Hey, another really nice play today from a guy who is one of, if not my number one favorite sleeper to make this roster. We've been talking about him since the spring, JT. It's Alizé Mack. Former XFL standout tight end, a big bodied guy who has pretty impressive body control and hands when he is running routes and certainly has the size and ability to be a a capable blocking tight end. And based on the Titans M.O. in the past of keeping a number of tight ends, I think that it's very, very much in the cards, if not likely, that he ends up on this team when all things are said and done. I think they like him a lot. And I, I, you know, he's been making plays pretty much every day or every other day at camp and at practices since the spring. And so I think Alize Mack, Mac um, who on that nice play today, wide open across the middle of the field, a, uh, a nice dig route where Malik Willis finds him for a long catch and catch and run based on his wheels and, and the defenders chasing. I don't like to call everything a touchdown in camp because a lot of camp deep touchdowns are just, a skill position player willing to run further than the DBs. You know, like it's not, you know, you're giving up on the play eventually. I kind of think that one would would have been a touchdown. If not, it would have been like 60 plus yards. And so a very nice play for him. And uh, let's let's address before we get out of here to some Titans news. We can talk about a couple of questions. I see that my, my man Lawson Blazik is in the comments. Lawson, thank you for tuning in asking uh, yeah isn't Levis supposed to throw three touchdowns on the third team defense don't get why people are happy about that should do that and more every day if he's a dude fair point Um, I, I would say if he's getting to play with second or first team weapons against third team defense that is one thing but when he is throwing to Mason Kinsey where he puts two balls on the numbers in his hands and they're both drops and it kills the the simulated drive like what was he supposed to do? Um Somebody mentioned to, to me today, like the age old adage, you, you cannot win the Kentucky Derby with a mule. That's kind of the situation you're rocking with, with the third team offense and defense. Lawson also asks, how does Chris Moore look? It's a great question. Um, He looks fine. He looks, he looks good. He's kind of slotting into that wide receiver four, five role. Um, I think we all, understand that Traylon Burks and DeAndre Hopkins are going to be that wide receiver one, two, both in terms of their usage um, on the field and in the scheme, as well as the production. But There's some debate as to who the three will be. I think that there's a reality in which Chris Moore, NWI and or Kyle Phillips is that three, depending on injuries and how the Titans offense chooses to operate. For my money, it's going to be Kyle Phillips, but we will have to see And then you've got NWI and Chris Moore in that four or five slot. And so Chris Moore looks good, looks serviceable. I think that he's going to be one of the better, if not the best wide receiver three, four, five, that the Titans have had in a long time, just in terms of reliability and production level. Like his ceiling is low. He's an older player. He's not super speedy or not got great athleticism in terms of acceleration or, you know, yards after catch. He's not got a massive frame, but it it is, it's it's a situation where, he's reliable. He's going to catch the ball if you put it on him and he, he may be good for a yard or two. And so he's just, he's good. He's a solid player. If that makes sense. He's a, he's a meat and potatoes player you, you want on your team. Um, Let's see any other uh, Jacob saying comment, comment, comment. Thank you. Good. Cool. Awesome. Uh, Yeah. Lawson Kyle Phillips is so big in terms of his ability to, to be an impact on this offense, whether or not he stays healthy, is going to be a, a big element for this titans team Um, if anybody else has any questions by the way we're happy to field them in the last couple minutes of this show but while you're coming up with those and sending them in the comment section of the broadway sports media's youtube page where you'll find this live stream jt let's get into some titans news this is titans news with producer jt
1: yeah and for titans news not a lot of Titans news today because that's what I we see. Really the rundown covered. right here. You
0: said there ain't no news, bro. Ain't got I mean, no Titans news.
1: <laughs> and it like there Fair. really was. It, it kind of was a very slow day just from a league wide, which is kind of good because after what we've seen the past couple of days, kind of could have used a break. But we, we do have an update in the Nathaniel Hackett versus Sean Payton off uh, oh, the God. the the beef uh, that is. Still growing between those two clubs. Um, Offensive coordinator Nathaniel Hackett, in his first comments since since Sean Payton took aim at him, says he feels Payton violated the coach's code. Oh, not the coach's code. he, He was expecting it ahead of week five's matchup. And he says, almost thankful we got that out of the way. We understand the way certain people feel and think. So, you know, kind of taking the high road, not going to clap back just yet. I guess uh, maybe there still is time. The
0: clapback is taking the higher road. It I is need... n- some somehow Nathaniel Hackett has managed to be the 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 bigger man, which is hilarious knowing Nathaniel Hackett and like his reputation. Is it weird that is it weird that I um like I I I agree and disagree with both sides here. Like I, I I kind of understand both sides and I think it's all petty nonsense and I kind of enjoy it because I'm not a part of it, but ultimately it's pretty dumb. That's kind of where I'm at on this.
1: I mean, yeah, I, at this point, I'm just, I'm really not going to think about it until that week five matchup between the Broncos and jets, which will probably be the game of the week because of this narrative. Um, But besides that, I mean, it it really does not matter. These teams are going to kind of, from here on out, go on, go their separate ways and do their own thing. Um, and it's probably for the better, um, moving on to just some other tidbits. The 49ers have signed former first, first round selection from the Dallas Cowboys defensive lineman, Taco Charlton to a one year deal in order to make room on the roster. The team waived safety Avery young. So Taco Charlton, once again, getting another try and, and i as i as i as i saw um mina kimes post today uh basically the vibes that this signing is is like going to see joker the movie and saying i could fix him and i, I think i think that the sentiment is is pretty is pretty no no there. i can
0: fix him i'll fix him and then it'll be great yeah no 100 uh taco Charlton, if only he could be as good as his name is on the football field but alas he is not
1: Uh, Another uh, kind of note here, the Cowboys running back Ronald Jones has been suspended for the first two games of the 2023 regular season for violating the uh, PED rules and regulations of the NFL. The only reason I bring this up is because, like, between, like, DeAndre Hopkins getting six games for supposedly only having, like, point one percent of a drug in 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 his system what's the difference here between two games it's got to be based on
0: the substance in question like i guess some things are way more bad like way more illegal than others i have not read the specific bylines from the nfl maybe i need to go find the code of conduct on specific drug infractions but clearly not all drug infractions are made equal
1: yeah and then finally the biggest news of the day here yes the NFL will allow CBS to offer a Nickelodeon slime, cast, slime cast,
3: baby, woo for
1: Super Bowl fifty-eight. So get ready for 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 Patrick Starr to be commentating this year's <laughs> Super Bowl. I can't wait. Um I always love tuning in. I'm sure I will not watch the Super Bowl on this cast. However, I probably nor. will have a separate screen. Just like uh, I'll corner. tune in at the
0: end because I got to know who the MVP is. We, True, I mean, the <laughs> end, the the Nickelodeon Valuable Player. I don't I, I don't even know what it stands for, but it's the MVP, not the MVP. Forget Super Bowl MVP odds. I need every every sports book in the world to give us MVP odds. And this this award was, but it, we call it the MVP award. Really, it should be the Mitch Trubisky uh inaugural uh Mitch Trubisky uh uh annual MVP award because he was the first player to receive this award at in the Chicago Bears only playoff win, I think, of the Mitch Trubisky era. But uh yes, Tony, Sobros, I'm very sorry you made it just in time for the end of the show. Unfortunately, you will have to catch the replay, but it was fantastic. You should go back and check it out. Um, is that gonna be it for news today, JT? That's
1: gonna be it for today.
0: All right. Awesome. Um, one last question. This, this is, I mean, y'all can go like, it's fine, but this is interesting to me. Um, Lawson Blazik uh, once again, in the comments, asking what my best Vrabel moment was up close. I'd have to sit and think because there are so many, and I'm sure this is not the best one, but just to today. He came out and uh, the the PR team had to tell him, like, had to remind him to take his drink of choice off the table because it wasn't like sponsored by the Titans or anything. And so, or by the league. And so, like, no free shouts from the NFL. Um, It was, I forget the name, but it was, it was like this pink lemonade brand that you find in gas stations. And he was like, Oh, love this stuff. Like, he finished it off and threw it in the trash can. And we were like, You big fan of that pink lemonade, Mike? And he's like, And he went on like a five minute rant about how, he buys this stuff. You get it on Amazon because you can't find it anywhere. And he's pretty sure that they they don't like it doesn't come from a warehouse in a heat shrinked, um package of 24. Like he buys a pack of 24 on Amazon and it comes in a big cardboard box with bottles just thrown in there, just loose bottles. And he said when he first got it, it was really sketch, but he opens it up and he's like, this stuff's delicious. I don't care. And I've never seen a man of Rabel's stature and variety, um, like just the person that we know him to be. Just light up about pink lemonade, like gas station, pink lemonade. So he was very excited about that. Um, I'm excited to be done with this show and we'll be back on Thursday. Uh, Just a couple of things real quick. Yeah. Stoney, you came for the most important part, the pink lemonade bit from training camp today. Uh, Before you go, follow us on Twitter and uh, Instagram, TikTok. We are getting our social media game back up, ramped up for the season. And we've got a lot of great content going up on all three of those accounts. But certainly follow us on Twitter or X. Um, all three accounts at, at Hot Read Pod is where you can find us on all socials. Please go and follow us there. Um, announcement If you have missed it, we are now partnered with Zen Sportsbook, the newest sportsbook entity in the state of Tennessee. And we've got an awesome promo code for you with them. If you decide to sign up with them and start betting, Zen Sportsbook, you'll find the app on wherever you get the uh, yeah, Apple App Store, Google Play Store, wherever you get your apps. You can find their brand new app, which is fantastic and beautiful. And then when you sign up, The referral code you got to use is Hot Pod, R-Code, Hot Pod, H-O-T-P-O-D. Hot Pod is the referral code you want to use when you sign up so that you can get 5% cash back bonus, baby, in your wallet. Every bet you make in the first 15 days is a special welcome bonus from Zen Sports. You're getting 5% back, win or lose, 5% of your betting volume, win or lose, back in your pocket. And then after 15 days, you're getting 3% cash back on all of your betting volume forever. It's forever. It's cash back. It's like a it's like an airline credit card. It's your Southwest card. Like you're getting miles all the time, baby. Win, lose, or draw on these bets. And so get money back in your pocket instead of silly um free vouchers and site credits and cashback bonuses that are promises for cash back, but really they're insight vouchers. No, 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 my friend. No, no. These are real cashback offers where they are putting money back in your account that you can then withdraw to your bank account and have as real US tender real U S currency. And so they're fantastic. Check them out. Zen Sportsbook. use code hot H O T P O D. All right, friends, we'll be back on Thursday evening with the live show for Friday morning's show. Check us out Friday morning. If you can't catch the live stream, but certainly tune in with us on Thursday evening around this same time, around 4 PM central standard. If you want to get in on the action live and ask any questions or comments you may have, Um, about the Titans training camp on Thursday, which I will be back at. Until then, for producer JT, I'm your host, Easton Freeze. This has been the Hot Read Podcast. We'll talk to you on Thursday.